Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is ots extra i got a little bit extra for you on december 22nd 2022 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your thursday afternoons wherever you may be man we got a lot to get into today figured uh instead of doing uh, a bunch of little videos. I figured I'd come on here and go live for you guys. Just get everything wrapped up for you before the uh, Christmas holiday weekend. And we got some several interesting stories. We're going to talk about Big E. We're going to talk about Edge, Adam Cole. We're going to talk about Matt Riddle. We're going to talk about Mandy Rose. We're going to talk about Miro as well. The big story coming out today about... Why Miro hasn't been on television, and it looks like his wife may be to blame for that. And some of the comments that she's made, which then has kind of given Tony Khan no choice but to keep him off of television. And we'll get right into that in just a second. I want to thank you guys very much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons, man. I know I don't usually go live on a Thursday, but it is what it is, bro. Anyway, man, please follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Got a couple of Cameos to fulfill for the holiday weekend, man. Thank you guys very much for reaching out to me on Cameo. I will get those done before the weekend is up. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. Social media is the best place to find me, man, on Twitter. At JD from NY206. We're going to get ready for uh, Royal Rumble season. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Can't wait for the turn of the new year. We're going to do some big things in 2023 as 2022 is wrapping up. Probably the best year of the podcast ever. And we're going to make 2023 even better. We're going to get some new graphics work done. We're going to take it to the next level. We're going to take the podcast places in the community that nobody is going to venture into, man. Can't wait. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are 500 away from 140,000 subscribers, man. I would love to hit that before we hit New Year's. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button if you are new and you guys want all of the news during your wrestling weeks. There's only one place to get it, man. There's a, Actually, there's several places to get it, but... They don't do it like I do, bro. They don't do it like I do. You want something sugar-coated, you go watch somebody else, man. You want the fucking upfront, brutal honesty that comes along with this pro wrestling gig? I got it for you, man. 
So hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We got 284 likes with 1,000 people still coming on in here. We're going to need to get those thumbs up all the way up, man. Please make it easy on the algorithm gods. Hit that thumbs up. Every little bit helps. Super chats are open. I just see Nick Williams with another 50 bomb in here. Nick Williams, this motherfucker, man. I love Nick Williams. $50 super chat. Thank you guys very much. You guys can be like Nick Williams. Get him on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, man. Nothing's changed. You know the formula. Memberships are open. Get him on in. We got Harold Russell becoming a new member tonight. We got the little Kev just becoming a new member. We got Willem Hendrick Fullard with 24 months and the golden microphone has been achieved. Thank you so much, brother. Travis Drum, four months. Uncle Willie, four months. What are you guys drinking tonight? Go check out all the other content on the channel. We got live streams, Raw, Dynamite. We were live, Jesse and I, for Dynamite last night. Go and check it out, man. Pretty decent show. San Antonio was on fire last night for Dynamite. And I'll be live tomorrow night for Friday Night Smackdown. We got Russ Constantine with the new membership. Russ, what are you drinking, brother? Josh DeBeast. 07 with five months. You guys are fucking kicking ass already today, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. Chill vibes with 19 months. Chill vibes. What are you drinking on this evening, brother? Appreciate you guys very much, man. Keep that, keep that energy going, man. I want, I want you guys to keep that energy going, man. You're making me feel good on this chilly, rainy, wet, almost snowy Thursday evening, man. Thank you guys very much for all the love. Let's get into the news. We start off with uh, some hopeful news. Some hopeful news in regards to Big E. Big E shares an update on his recovery from his broken neck. Big E's been on the sidelines. If you guys don't know, with a broken neck, the injury happened on March 11th. SmackDown walking, uh, waking um, uh, up from a overhead belly to belly suplex at ringside from from Rich Holland, and uh, he didn't know what hit him. It was absolutely terrifying. He landed on his neck, fractured his C1 vertebrae and C6 vertebrae. Surgery is off the table as an option, and the doctors expect him to make a full recovery. Now, while speaking with These Urban Times, never heard of it before, but he spoke with These Urban Times, Big E spoke about his recovery and waiting until March to know how everything is looking. He says this, and I quote, I have to get some more scans at the one-year mark in March, and we'll see how everything is looking. We'll see from there. My C1 is broken in two spots, so we obviously have to be very smart about this. I was very fortunate. I want to make sure I'm making the best decision for myself. We'll see in March. I feel great. I'm really thankful for that. I don't have any nerve issues, no strength issues, no impairment whatsoever. Obviously, to get back in the ring to do what we do, I want to make sure my C1 is rock solid. Other than that, I'm very blessed. I feel great, says Big E. Now, while outside the ring, Big E actually has been helping with the WWE tryouts and the talents that come to the tryouts. Uh, this role 
is rather uh, relatively new for Big E. It started in Nashville during SummerSlam weekend, and then uh, he continued to be part of the team uh, and has been scouting ever since then. Big E stated that being a talent scout resonates with him because he's a former Iowa football player, wondering what he should do with his life, and then eventually he found pro wrestling. You know, it's amazing, man. You know, there's a reason why everybody everybody just loves Big E. Nobody has anything bad to say about Biggie. The energy that he gives off, man, is very, you know, it, it's it's so heartwarming. And it's something that you don't see from a lot of people. In this type of situation, you would see somebody doom and gloom, down on their luck, and, you know, not as hopeful as Biggie. This This man was, this man broke his neck, and there was no anger at all towards Ridge Holland. There was no sadness. There was no, well, at least he didn't show it. There was no, none of that. No negativity, no, you know, down on his luck type of attitude. Throughout the entire process, he's just been, you know, I feel great. I'm lucky to be alive. And, you know, we're going to get through this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's not even just a gimmick with Biggie. The power of positivity. What the New Day does, man, it, it, He he's the living embodiment of, power of positivity so if anybody looks at that and is in a is in a similar situation as Big E look at how he's gotten through what could have been his life his life could have ended on that night March 11th and now look at him he's hopefully on his road to recovery and he will be back in the ring hopefully hopefully sometime late next year so we'll see what happens uh I don't know there's no time frame for him he's taking it day by day as he should uh, WWE will never allow him to get back into the ring unless uh, everything is good to go. And I do think that he will be making a recovery. And when he does, man, I don't know how you guys felt about his first run. I do believe he will be back. I don't know how you guys felt about his first run, but if there is anybody that should be pushed and coming out of a situation like this to really just kind of take what happened with him Winning the WWE Championship and really doing it over the right way, it's Biggie. And I think after all this, man, what a moment that would be to really climb that mountain if he does end up getting back, which I do think he will, end up getting back and achieving the greatest achievement in the entire company, and that is winning the WWE Championship. I think it's time we start, you know, possibly pondering that if he does come back doing all of that all over again. I I thought what they did with him was a travesty. I thought it was a terrible first impression for him to win the world championship the way that he did. There could have been so many different ways, better ways to make that feel memorable. And WWE just rushed through it all. And that's not even the most important part of it. I mean, I'm just kind of deviating away from the topic at hand. I want him back. I hope he gets back. I, I pray that he gets back. And it's nice to see how positive he is about the entire thing, man. So that's the... Latest update on Big E on his recovery from his broken neck. Now, we talk about Big E coming back to the WWE. And like I said twice, I do think that he will be back. Alberto Del Dipshit has been in the news. I think saying Alberto Del Retard, like I usually say, is a little too harsh. Just said it. But Alberto Del Rio... Apparently, there's news that he may want back in the WWE. So there was a report via Fightful 
about Alberto Del Rio. It seems to be a yearly thing. His name always comes up around this time. He's a former Royal Rumble winner, right? Thank God the news is in our favor. Alberto Del Rio says he hasn't spoken with the man with the big nose. And now I, I don't make fun of Triple H. You guys know I'm a Triple H mark. But this is exactly what Alberto Del Rio said about Triple H when he was in a relationship, a volatile one with Paige, Soraya, and they were uh, out gallivanting, and Del Rio had some very harsh and nasty things to say about Soraya's then-boss in Triple H, the man with the big nose in Stamford, Connecticut. There was an exclusive interview by WrestlingNews.co, the people that, uh, well, I like that website. Some of the people over there are, <laughs> they're very geeky, man. They're very cringe to listen to. Apparently, he was interviewed by Steve Fall. <laughs> Sky interviewed Del Rio. Wow, what a, what a groundbreaking interview Del Rio is. Del Rio was asked if they... If there are plans for him to return to WWE, because that's all that we want in life, right? Alberto Del Rio coming back to the WWE. Alberto said in the past that there have been talks about him returning to the company, but people in the company have denied that to be the case because they never happened. Alberto Del Rio is the only one that wanted it to happen, and Alberto Del Rio was feeding the dirt sheets bullshit. Nobody in WWE talked to or about Alberto Del Rio making a potential comeback. Alberto said in this interview that he hasn't had talks with the new regime. Good. Good. Nobody wants him. He says, and I quote, well, to be honest, I haven't talked to the new administration I did when John Laurinaitis was around, and we had a couple of phone calls that didn't go anywhere. People power. Then, you know, what is happening? We have a new administration doing fantastic things. As far as I know, or what I've read, the numbers when it comes to the ratings and the money are fantastic. Also, the way that the talent feels backstage and in the ring and everything, it looks like this change has been for the best for the biggest company in the world. Great. Thanks, Del Rio. Thank you for telling me something that uh, I already knew. Appreciate it, man. Del Rio then credits John Laurinaitis with bringing him into the WWE. I don't think we should be crediting John Laurinaitis with anything, man. Fuck John Laurinaitis. Like Jim Ross said, that man deserves the hell that he has to live with for the rest of his life. Good. If JR said it, I stand firmly behind Jim Ross. He says this, and I quote, I was always one of Johnny's boys. Sure you were. He was the one that found me. He was the one bringing me to have my tryout. I think it was in Oklahoma City, I think. I don't remember very well, but he was the one bringing me to Stanford, showing me that amazing headquarter and putting me in a limo for the first time in my life and everything. He was the one creating Alberto Del... Imagine, imagine going out there and giving... John Laurinaitis credit for creating anything. John Laurinaitis. I remember those days with him taking me to a restaurant to meet Kevin Dunn and then bringing me to Vince's office and introducing me to Vince McMahon. And well, the rest is history. 
So if you guys were concerned about Alberto Del Rio making his way back to the WWE, you have absolutely nothing to worry about in regards to Alberto Del Rio making his way back to the WWE. I don't even think he would fit in the current WWE. We don't need Alberto Del Rio. The fuck do we need Alberto Del Rio for when we have Santos Escobar in WWE? You want to attract that demographic? There you go. That's your guy. Nobody else. Alberto Del Rio needs to stay away. And nobody in WWE, A, wants Del Rio back, or B, has had talks with Del Rio possibly coming back. The only talks that Del Rio had with WWE are the ones in his fucking head. With himself. Fuck Alberto Del Rio. A complete waste of time. Details. On Edge, now this is somebody that I can't wait for him to get back to the company. Details on Edge and his limited dates with WWE. Edge had a great homecoming in Toronto in the main event of Monday Night Raw on August 22nd, but hasn't been around each week to build up the match with Judgment Day's Damian Priest or Finn Balor at Extreme Rules. He's only been seen... Uh, a handful of times. He hasn't been seen since then. WWE sources confirm that Edge is on a deal right now with the company with limited dates, which is why he has appeared periodically since splitting him from the Judgment Day feud. One WWE higher-up said that the vignettes this past summer that we all thought were, were for Bray Wyatt, they actually were for Edge. The vignettes that we saw this past summer were a way to buy some weeks of television time before Edge's return and give them a little bit more time in order to build up to some important matches throughout the rest of the year, which happened with Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day. In 2020, it was reported that Edge was on a three-year contract for 25 appearances and five matches per year. However, that was neither that was either incorrect or amended as Edge competed in 10 matches in 2021 and has already competed in six matches in 2022. We aren't sure when his deal is up or how many appearances are left on his existing deal, says Fightful. If the length was correctly reported, that deal could be up soon if it wasn't frozen due to injury. Fightful has not confirmed if this is the case. Just as a side note, they wanted to let you know that Edge had talks with AEW before his WWE return in 2020. It was very well documented that Edge was very interested in joining AEW because he didn't think WWE was going to give him the platform to perform after nine years. AEW was going to do that. Uh, I think he made the right decision. I'm glad he did not go to AEW. Uh, I don't know if I could ever get used to that, but... We are here right now with Edge in the WWE, possibly looking at a contract year. Now, it's going to be up to him what he wants to do. Does his body still feel up to it to go another year, another two years at the level that he's doing? He may be working limited dates, but that doesn't stop Edge from busting his ass every time he's out there. He's wrestled incredibly since he's been back. I think everything that Edge has been in has been some of the best stuff that WWE has produced in the last three years. The Randy Orton stuff, his Judgment Day stuff. I thought he was a great leader for Judgment Day. That went nowhere because Vince, you know, got bored of the gimmick and it wasn't really getting over in the way that we had intended. Vince killed it off. They took Edge away from the leadership role. They put Balor in the leadership role. 
edge away from Judgment Day while Vince McMahon was still running the show was a disaster waiting to happen. And now with Triple H taking over, you see how vastly different Judgment Day is compared to what Vince McMahon was doing. Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon wanted to go supernatural, ooh, you know, all, all this spooky nonsense with, with Judgment Day. Triple H is just letting Finn Balor, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest, along with Dominic, just be themselves. They're letting them handle the vibe of the group, and I think it's been working out brilliantly. But everything Edge has done has been fucking great, and there's still a lot more I want to see out of Edge in WWE. I'd love to see a match with Kevin Owens. I'd love to see a feud with Cody Rhodes. I'd love to see a match with Brock Lesnar. I'd love to see at least one more match with John Cena. I would. I think that would be fantastic. I've, I, You know, now that I'm mentioning Kevin Owens and Cody Rhodes, that's probably at the top of the fucking list. Really. I'd love to see Edge and Cody Rhodes. Can you imagine that type of fucking feud? Can you imagine Edge challenging Cody Rhodes if Cody Rhodes was the WWE champion? That would be fucking fantastic. That's exactly what Monday Night Raw is missing. That level of fucking importance. That level of world championship caliber fucking competition on Monday Night Raw. We don't have that right now. That's what Edge brings to the table. I'd love to see one more match against John Cena, as I do think that John Cena is Edge's greatest rival in WWE. And for some sick, twisted reason, I'd love to see Edge versus Brock Lesnar. I think that would be a fantastic match to take place at WrestleMania. Edge versus Austin Theory is another one. I think that would be great. Edge versus Bray Wyatt, that's another one. So when you think about, well, what is there left for Edge to do? There's plenty for Edge still to do. It's up to him if he wants to do it. Edge is not going to do something if it's half-assed. Edge is not going to do something if it's not really, you know, that epic and memorable. This is not somebody that, you know, just goes into something and says, yeah, we'll do this. And then there's no plan behind it. Edge is a very creative man. Edge is a very meticulous individual, very specific in what he wants to accomplish and what he wants to do. That's why we all appreciate him so much. He just knows what he wants. He's a master of the game. And for some, you know, listen, you may, you may not agree with me, but I honestly think what we've seen out of Edge so far since he's been back has probably been the best work of his career. He's been tremendous. Absolutely incredible. I hope he does come back. I really do. But it's going to be up to him. He did say, he did say after that Monday Night Raw on August 22nd in Toronto that he would love to retire in Canada and possibly this coming SummerSlam, this summer in 2023, it may be his last year in WWE. I, ho I hope it's not. Just a selfish, greedy wrestling fan in me hopes that it's not. So we'll see what happens. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle will be back in the WWE. More than likely, Matt Riddle will be back before the Royal Rumble. But we got Matt Riddle drama, folks. I'm not going to really add anything to this. I'm just going to fill you in, get you caught up on what's going on. At the end of the day, I truly hope that Matt Riddle is happy. I truly hope that Matt Riddle is getting the help that he needs. I hope that he's in rehab, and I hope that he gets back. And he is laser-focused on what is important in his life, his career, and keeping that straight, that, that walking that straight line in his personal life. That's all I want. I think that would be fantastic for him. He needs to, it seems from what I read, there's a lot of growing up for Matt Riddle to do. 
And it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the company either if he's going to go out there and be that reckless. There was an adult film star, Jordan Max, who took to Twitter to post about Matt Riddle. Apparently, Jordan Max and Matt Riddle were a couple. Max stated that she and Riddle had been in a relationship, and she learned that he was seeing another porn star named Misha Montana. Now, if you came to me not uh, not knowing what Misha Montana did for a living just based off her name, the uh, line of industry or the line of work that she works in probably would have been my first guess with the last name of Montana. Misha Montana. Max, quote, tweeted someone who included screenshots from a ringside news article that shows Riddle and Montana kissing each other. You guys are going to go do investigative work on Google. Uh, That's up to you guys, man. That's up to you guys. So she took some screenshots from a ringside news article. She's already in the wrong there. Ringside news sucks. And then uh, shows Riddle and Montana kissing each other. Max also stated that instead of keeping plans for Christmas and New Year's, that Riddle went to rehab. So she said it in that exact wording. Instead of keeping plans for Christmas and New Year's, you went to rehab. It's almost as if, now she could have worded that a little bit better because I could see how people could misconstrue that. You went to rehab instead of keeping plans with me for Christmas and New Year's. Makes it sound like she's a selfish bitch, uncaring bitch, Jordan Max. Not really a good look there. She had to rescind that comment and she had to basically go out there and tell everybody that's not really what it meant and how it came off was not what I really wanted to say. This basically confirms the story that broke last week via Cassidy Haynes at Bodyslam.net that Riddle had been entered into rehab. Now, there's been no statement from Riddle or WWE on his status, but he's been written off TV to explain his absence. And there was a story that followed from people close to Matt Riddle that said that he's not in rehab, he's not off TV because he's going into rehab, he doesn't have a drug problem, he's off TV because he's dealing with the ramifications of a divorce, a divorce that happened a year ago. I don't know. Matt Riddle's in rehab, they didn't want the news out there that Matt Riddle was a drug addict or uh, a druggie and he needed to go seek help and get some rehab. It's always the way it is. Does it make you feel better about yourself to kick people when you're down, says Jordan Max. Try to imagine for one second the man you've spent the last six months with who said I love you for the first time two months ago is all of a sudden making out with someone else who is in your industry and then rather keeping plans for Christmas and New Year's, he's going to rehab. Could have worded it a little bit better there, Miss Max. Do you have any idea how confusing and hurtful this is? She then added to the tweet, I'm not mad that he's in rehab. He told me that he quit drugs. And then to find out he's A, with another girl, B, doing those drugs with her, and C, failing drug tests. So he has to go to rehab for it. It's all disappointing. I hope that he takes rehab seriously and gets the help he so desperately needs so that he can be the best version of who he is for his future partners, his kids, and himself, end quote. So that was the statement from Jordan Max. 
WWE has no say in this. They didn't say anything. But Matt Riddle came out yesterday and issues his statement on the new abuse allegations that we just read through and rehab report. So Riddle tweeted the following, and I quote, I've been working on myself a lot lately, and I've been saying no and setting boundaries for the first time ever, and certain people aren't happy about it, but I couldn't be healthier or happier. Thank you for all of the support. So bro is doing good. It's a good thing to read. In the last couple of days, prior to Matt Riddle's tweet, another woman named Ivy Malibu. What's with these generic names, bro? Nobody's creative in the porn industry anymore. Huh? Ivy Malibu, Jordan Max, Misha Montana. Holy shit. Ivy Malibu said this about Matt Riddle. What I can say, I guess this is another woman he dated or fucked around with, I don't know. What I can say is, if you've seen anything or know anything, it all has been true, and a certain person has chosen to make decisions that have hurt me and countless other people. I don't want to be sitting in my car crying over this. I don't want to be an attention-grabbing individual, but sometimes people are just not good people, and that's okay. I wish this person nothing but the best. I wish them nothing but healing and happiness in their heart because apparently me... And other people couldn't provide that for them, so they had to take away our happiness. Like, at the end of the day, this is almost like a blessing in disguise because I'm under God like one of the most traumatizing years of my life and had a lot of terrible things happen, all because of one person, and I shouldn't think again. I reiterate, I should be able to express how I feel and that I'm hurt and that I'm in a lot of pain, and I'm sad, and I'm absolutely devastated, dejected, and miserable. Whatever you want to throw out there, that's how I feel. It's, it is what it is, but I just don't know what else to really say, end quote. That was Ivy Malibu that said that. So Matt Riddle's been getting around with uh, some ladies in the porn industry uh, I don't know how much time he has on his hands when he's on the road with WWE and working the live shows on Monday and Friday, but uh, clearly he's got uh, some extracurricular time on his hands. Riddle was previously accused in 2020 of sexual abuse by Candy Cartwright. Riddle denied these allegations. Her lawsuit was dropped in 2021. It's unclear if a monetary settlement was reached. More than likely it was because nothing like that is just dropped uh, out of the blue. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Uh, th this is none of my business. I, I figured I'd let you guys know what's going on. He is in drug rehab, which is the most important thing. Who he's fucking around with and what porn star he's sleeping with is none of my business, none of our business. But as long as he is getting the help that he needs because he's too talented for all of this to potentially ruin his career. And that's the one part that we as fans should ultimately care about is he okay? And WWE too. I mean, it's not a good look for WWE when he's got, you know, all these things happening to him and he's going out there and being reckless and he's not being a company guy. When you sign with WWE, when, when you sign the dotted line with WWE, you are a beacon of their reputation. And Matt Riddle, with everything that's been going on, going back to Candy Cartwright's situation and everything else that's come out after that, the, 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 the drug tests that he's failed 
and all these cheating allegations and more abuse and all this other shit. It's not a good look for WWE. He needs to cut this shit out. He needs to find one woman after his divorce from, the, from his wife, right? I don't know what the situation there is with his kids. He needs to find one woman. If he wants to be with one woman, be with one woman. And then he needs to focus on his health and he needs to get right there and he needs to focus on his career and he needs to make sure that none of these other things, none of the outside world, you know, have an effect on what happens in the WWE. It's a very difficult thing to do when you get caught up in all of this one situation after the other. He needs to just purge himself of all this negativity, get himself right, and get back on TV and be the Matt Rule that we know he could be. Because he's a very valuable asset to the company, and he's going to be a big deal if he allows himself to just focus on what is most important. But I mean, how many fucking women is he sleeping around with in the porn industry, man? Not, not a good look, bro. Not a good look. I wish him nothing but the best. We are fans of Matt Riddle here. We got another former WWE superstar looking likely to return to the company. Triple H has brought a lot of people back to the company. Most notably, Bronson Reed as of this past Monday. Now, I don't know what you guys thought of Bronson Reed showing up on Monday Night Raw being affiliated with The Miz. I get everybody's anger. I get everybody's negativity, indifference towards Bronson Reed showing up on Monday Night Raw and being aligned with Mike Mizan, and I get it. I get it. I know why they did it. They did the same thing with Tommaso Ciampa. I fucking hated it then. That doesn't mean I like what they did with Bronson Reed. They already fucked up on Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed got the same reaction as everybody else that debuted in the same way, coming back to the WWE, brought in by Triple H. No crowd reaction and complete indifference. And then they paired him with The Miz. Everybody's thing, everybody's thing about Bronson Reed is, A, who is he? If you don't know who Bronson Reed is, if you don't know who Jonah is, maybe you should start paying a little bit more attention. You're somebody, you're representing the internet wrestling community. Don't give me that bullshit that you don't know who the fuck Bronson Reed is or Jonah is. Give me a break. Bronson Reed was a major up-and-coming star in the WWE before he was wrongfully fired in the WWE by Vince McMahon. I don't understand how you don't know who he is. Now, you don't know who he is. Probably a better version of himself than he was then. Now, you don't know who he is. Now, I get everybody's frustration. Oh, he beat Okada, and now he's the Miz's lackey. I get it. You will not hear a fucking peep out of me if you want to bring that to me as part of your discussion. I hate it. Now, does it make New Japan look stupid? Yes, they trusted him, thinking that he was going to remain with them. They had him pin Okada. How many fucking people that you know of have beaten Okada in the last five years, ten years? How many? How many? There's not many. Jonah is one of them. Now he's the lackey for Mike Mizanin. But is he? We don't really know. We don't really know what Jonah or, or Bronson Reed's role on Monday Night Raw is. Now, the way that it seemed, it looked like they were pairing Bronson Reed with The Miz, but I think after the backlash and the fact that I think anybody watching realizes that Jonah, or, or Bronson Reed rather, doesn't need The Miz to be an intimidating heel. He doesn't. He doesn't need anybody to stand by him 
and especially somebody like The Miz. I don't think that's going to work out. You know, so for all the people like Road Dog and everybody else that want to shit on the people for having an opinion, you know, having an opinion because, you know, everybody's got to respect The Miz. The Miz is one of the worst parts of WWE television all year. Everything that the man has done this year has been absolutely dreadful. Every storyline he's been in has been absolutely dreadful. I'm not saying anything about uh, The Miz as far as his career. I'm talking about the last several years on WWE television. Nothing the man has done has been important. And you want to take Bronson Reed and put him with The Miz. It doesn't even, it's not even a, a, a logical pairing. Same thing with Champa. Champa was never a logical pairing for The Miz. This is psycho killer Tommaso Champa. What the fuck does he need The Miz for? This is Bronson Reed. He's as big as a fucking brick house. He doesn't need The Miz. The fuck does he need The Miz for? But I get why they did it. Because in WWE's mindset, oh, Mike is a great heel. And we want Bronson Reed to play this heel. And he's going to get the proper heel heat that he needs. Because The Miz is great. And The Miz is going to have him achieve that. He's going to feed off The Miz's heat. I get it. I get it. But at, at the end of the day, it doesn't make it right. And it looks stupid. It looks stupid. And Bronson Reed has fallen into the same fucking trap that everybody else has fallen into. Mia Yim and Tegan Knox and Hit Row and everybody else. Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, everybody else that's come back to the WWE. Not one, Emma, not one single vignette. They just throw them out there. And they think with weeks of television, oh, the fans, they'll get used to these people on television. But a first impression is everything. Some of these people have been away, in Emma's case, for six years, seven years. You bring her back to television, nobody knows who the fuck Emma is. This crowd, the people now watching this product, they don't remember anything about Emma. Where is a vignette? Where is a coming attraction? Where is... The detailed backstory on who these people are, why they're coming back, and what they're doing here. That's the way they should have been introduced. But Triple H wants to get everybody on TV, throw them out into the open, and let them do what they got to do, and get over by familiarity. It's not the right way to go about it. Same thing happened with Swerve last night. Same thing happened with Swerve Strickland last night on Dynamite. That segment was brutal. Brutal. And I like Parker Boudreaux. I do. I think he's got a ton of upside, a ton of promise. But nobody knew who the fuck he was. And then this other guy, Gatesman, or whatever the fuck his name is, looks like somebody out of Streets of Rage. He used to play baseball for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, I believe. Double A farm system. Who the fuck is he? We don't know who he is. Comes out looking like that. And nobody knew who the fuck he is. I'm trying to fucking get different. Who the fuck is he? What's his face? What does he look like? I mean, give me a break. And then if you criticize this segment, you're the wrong ones. You're in the wrong. That's not the way you debut somebody. It's not the way you introduce somebody to a fucking audience. Nobody knows who the fuck these people are. So how in turn is that going to make Swerve look good? So basically, AEW has aligned Swerve with another hit row. And Rick Ross. Not really what I call quality television. I don't fucking know. Chelsea Green. All this ranting now leads me to Chelsea Green. Russell Votes is reporting 
in October. WWE is interested in bringing back Chelsea Green. There was significant interest dating back to October. Chelsea Green later tweeted about the rumors without confirming or denying everything. She says, me loving every minute of the internet continuing to keep me relevant. Green finished up with Impact in October after a loser leaves town match to Mickey James. Green has not said as much since then, and WWE has not denied anything about her being contacted by the company. Now, Chelsea Green was one of those independent contractors that had an OnlyFans account up and running, and it appears now that her OnlyFans account has been taken down, which is another sign that a return to WWE is imminent. Imagine you simped for Chelsea Green and her OnlyFans for months when she was in Impact, only for it to be shut down without any warning, without any notice, right? And you simps were thinking that, well, if I sign up, maybe I'll get a little closer to Chelsea Green, <laughs> right? Like, like you think you're going to become one on a personal level with these fucking women on OnlyFans, right? You fucking geeks. Only for it to be closed down and your money, now it's in Chelsea Green's bank account and you look like a fucking poor simp. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Only fans, goodbye. Chelsea Green, shut it down. There's no word on what storyline Chelsea Green will be involved in when she returns to WWE. There were plans for her on SmackDown last year, but she suffered an injury and then was released a few months later. Green's impending return to WWE has also fueled rumors that her husband, Matt Cardona, will be returning to the WWE as well. Now, I know a perfect role for Chelsea Green. I don't know what we do as far as how to bring her to television, if they're just going to throw her out like everybody else, or if they're going to actually take their time with this and you know, develop some vignettes and some backstory. This is what we got to do with Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green, if you want Chelsea Green to stand out, Chelsea Green coming in on her own is not going to do a fucking thing. It's not worked for Candice LeRae. It's not worked for Tegan Knox. It's not worked for Emma. It's not worked for Dakota Kai and whoever else that WWE plans on bringing back to the fold that Vince McMahon fired. What I would do is either A, wait for her to be a participant in the Royal Rumble, which is a high probability. Same thing with Matt Cardona. I could absolutely see Matt Cardona being in the Royal Rumble. You wait for her to make a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble, and then that crowd, that crowd at the Royal Rumble, which is basically somewhat of a WrestleMania smart mark crowd, they'll know who she is, and then we'll all kind of get excited about her being back, and then she'll show up on the following week's television, whether it's on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, a debut in the Royal Rumble is always a fine debut because that crowd knows who the fuck that is, okay? Now, if she's not going to debut in the Royal Rumble, if she debuts before the Royal Rumble or they save her for after the Royal Rumble, what they need to do is bring up Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane they need to bring Toxic Attraction up to the main roster because as I saw on Tuesday's NXT, Toxic Attraction was in a triple threat tag team title match and they lost. 
Casey Cotanzaro or Katana Chance, whatever the fuck her name is now, and Caden Carter retain the tag team championships. Toxic Attraction is out of chances in the women's division. They've done it all. They will not be able to survive on the main roster by themselves. They're finished in NXT. They need to be called up. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, two good-looking women. They got promise, right? But they're not going to survive on their own. The reason why Toxic Attraction worked is because there was a leader. The reason why Toxic Attraction worked is because their leader, who was, you know, in many people's eyes, one of the most beautiful women in the entire industry, leading that company, who had charisma, who had an attitude, and was very good at what she did. So they need that. Toxic Attraction is not going to go anywhere with just Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane. You give me vignettes about Gigi. You give me vignettes about J.C. Jane, who the fuck they are, why they're being called up to the main roster, what their goal is on the main roster, and then they start teasing a new leader. Let's start bringing this Mandy Rose thing to, to light. Let's start bringing, you know, not the exact reason why Mandy Rose left, but... You know, the fact that they're looking for a new leader, that their old leader abandoned them. They left Toxic Attraction. And then we start teasing who the new leader may be, who this new leader is, what she looks like, what she's having Toxic Attraction do in light of Mandy Rose being gone. And then we start seeing Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green would be the perfect one to lead a new version of Toxic Attraction on either Raw or SmackDown. She would fit it like a glove. A glove. Why are we not going to explore that possibility? Because there's no way that toxic attraction is going to remain how they are now with just Gigi and JC. They'll fail. They are doomed to fail by themselves. That's what I would do. That would be a perfect role for Chelsea Green. Not bringing her in like Candice LeRae where she gets no reaction. Not bringing her in like Emma to fucking wrestle Ronda Rousey or some open challenge. No. Now, we're done with that, man. We need to move away from that nonsense. That's the best role for Chelsea Green in WWE. And hopefully she can stay healthy. Now, as far as Matt Cardona goes, if Chelsea Green is going back to WWE, I could definitely see Matt Cardona going back to the WWE. I cannot ever see Triple H looking at what he's done to himself to make himself into a bigger name than he ever was in WWE and not be interested in bringing him back to the company. I think both of them will be in the men's and the women's Royal Rumble come January 28th. Speaking of Mandy Rose, get this. Mandy Rose will be a self-made millionaire by Christmas from her fan time content Following her WWE release, Mandy Rose is doing very well for herself, according to her agent. Malki Kawa, who represents the former WWE NXT champion, told TMZ Sports that Mandy Rose earned over $500,000 from her fan time page since WWE released her on December 14th. That was a week and a day ago. By the time this weekend is over, Mandy Rose will have over $1 million in earnings from her fan time account. Now, take into consideration, this is not just monthly subscriptions. This is personalized video, 
personalized photos sent to people that are willing to pay for that type of content. How many people have signed up after the fact that she was released from WWE? That is absolutely mind-numbingly ridiculous. She's a bigger star now than she was in the WWE. And there's no way that WWE was ever going to compensate her in that way. And now you know the reason why she said, well, I'm not giving this shit up. I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm going to go do this thing. And if you got a problem with it, whatever. I still don't believe. Now, we didn't really hear. That could have been. But it sounded like from the outside perspective looking in that there was a breakdown of communication. Or it looked like WWE wanted to keep Mandy. They said, you can keep the site. You can keep doing your bikini photos and all this other shit. But once you get into the realm of nudity, then that's when we have a fucking problem with it. When sponsors are getting involved, that's when we have a fucking problem with it. And they wanted her to cut the nudity out. And Mandy said, no. Look at the fucking money I'm making. I'm not going to do that. Now she looks back at this. And a week and a day ago, she got released. Do you think I said maybe WWE and Mandy collectively are having regrets? Do you think Mandy Rose regrets fucking walking away from WWE for $500,000 going on 1 million in 2 weeks? I don't think she fucking gives a single solitary shit about WWE. And one has to wonder if she even wants to wrestle anymore. Seriously. If she's making 1 million dollars in 2 weeks, imagine that over 12 months. That is ridiculous. Why does she have to break her back going into the wrestling world, doing the wrestling thing when she could sit at home with her husband and make that type of content as long as it isn't venturing into what you usually see in the dark web somewhere? And people are still willing to pay for it because they're infatuated with her looks. Good for her. Good for her. She took a chance on herself and it's paying off completely. Now, if she wants to go and wrestle... I'm sure there are plenty of promotions that would love to have her. Impact will... <laughs> Impact! Give me a break, man. Why would she go wrestle with dingy Impact when she could sit at home and do nothing? Give me a break. Mandy Rose in Impact. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are some fucking comedians, man. Nobody, Mandy Rose is not going to Impact, okay? Give me a fucking break. The people that work in Impact don't even want to be in Impact. Give me a fucking break. Uh, MLW, I don't know if the MLW has a women's division. Uh, AEW, Tony Khan would love to have her, right? House of Glory. I'd love to see Mandy Rose in House of Glory. Who knows? Who knows? If she wants to wrestle, I'm sure anybody would be willing to, you know, pay to have her, but... The fuck does she need their money for when she's making money basically doing nothing at home? She took a chance on herself, and it's paying off. Was there a breakdown in communication? Sure. There looks to be a breakdown in communication. I don't think Shawn Michaels wanted to get rid of Mandy Rose. I don't think Matt Bloom wanted to get rid of Mandy Rose or fire Mandy Rose. They gave her with the, They left her with an ultimatum. She ultimately chose herself. Good job. Can't really hate on that. I can't look at that and say, well, she made a mistake. No, she didn't. More people should end up taking a chance on themselves. You never know what could happen. The reason why this channel is the way that it is, and we are at the top of our game, is because we took a chance on ourselves all those years ago, and look at where we are now. And I love what I do. I love what I do for you guys, and I love that you love me back. Love it. Following her release, 
She raised the price of her fan time subscription from $25 to $40. She was just let go one day after losing the NXT Women's Championship to Roxanne Perez on December 13th. Mandy was the NXT champion for 413 days. There you go. How many of you, you can be honest with me, man. How many of you guys are signed up to Mandy Rose's fan time subscription? Your secret is safe in the venue, bro. You can tell me. You can tell me. WrestleMania 39, let's shift gears, man. WrestleMania 39, plans for The Rock and John Cena as of this week are still uncertain. WWE is bringing back John Cena for the December 30th edition of SmackDown where he will team up with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn in a big tag team match. Probably one of the biggest tag team matches of the entire year. While speaking this week on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that he was last told that Cena is probable for the event and The Rock is still possible. Meltzer brought up how Rock vs. Reigns has been the dream match for WWE for years. And for it to happen at WrestleMania 39, The Rock would love for it to happen at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles, being that he's the king of Hollywood. But the possibility of the match comes down to whether he is free, as he will be busy with his Hollywood schedule and XFL commitments. You know, I don't have a problem with Dave. Some people have a problem with the way Melcher does things and sometimes with the way Melcher words things and says things and reports things. You know, what is he exactly reporting here that we haven't discussed over the last four years? Especially this year with The Rock getting more involved with the XFL and buying the XFL. I mean, this is not news. There's a possibility of it, but we'll have to see because he's got Hollywood commitments and XFL commitments. No shit. No shit. Melcher did say, though, by January 15th, which is basically right around the corner... That WWE is going to need an answer as they want to lock in the WrestleMania main event by that time. Which I don't blame them because that's two weeks before the Royal Rumble and you can't go into the Royal Rumble without knowing what the WrestleMania main event's going to be. But if The Rock wants it, he's got a little bit more of an easier schedule and he's got a little bit more time. Because I do think that the best option for WWE at WrestleMania is Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble, having Cody and Roman main event Uh, night two, and then Rock, if he wants it, could take a little bit more time to see if his schedule is a little bit free, maybe get back to television around March, and build at least four or five weeks for The Rock and Roman at WrestleMania and have that happen on night one. To me, that's still the best option. Now, if Rock is not involved, Cody wins the Royal Rumble anyway. It doesn't matter. With or without The Rock at WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes should still win the Royal Rumble. And I said this before, Cody and Rollins draw number one and two. Cody and Rollins finish their feud in the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes eliminates Seth Rollins from the Royal Rumble. And Cody goes on to WrestleMania to challenge Roman Reigns for the undisputed World Heavyweight Championship. So no matter if Roman is involved with The Rock or not, Cody is still winning the Royal Rumble. And Cody should main event night two, no matter if The Rock is going to be at WrestleMania or not. Keeps everything very streamlined and very simple. Now, when Cody beats Roman, we go to Monday Night Raw, we have a draft, and Cody holds the WWE Championship up. That's the championship he wants. The draft takes the title back to SmackDown, and you don't need to have someone drop the title. You don't need to have Roman lose one of the titles and keep the other one because that's the, that, that defeats the purpose of him losing. Just have it go back to SmackDown via the draft. Simple. It's very simple. 
This, this WrestleMania season should not be as confusing and that much of a headache for the creative team in WWE. It's Cody or nobody. It's Cody or bust. It's not Rollins. It's not Cena. It's not Edge. It's not Lesnar. It's not fucking, uh, you know, anybody else. It's not Braun Breaker. It's not somebody fucking. It's not Kenny Omega or Jay White coming in. Nobody. It's Cody Rhodes. Simple. And it happens on night two. Oh, well, why do we have to do Cody and Roman on night two? Why can't we do it on night one? Don't you think Rock and Roman is the bigger match? No. No, I don't. I don't think it's the bigger match. Why would you do that match on night two and have Roman lose to Cody on night one going into a match with The Rock on night two? Wouldn't that diminish everything? The fuck does that mean? You can't have him lose one title to Cody either because if he loses one title, then he's still a champion. That defeats the purpose and takes away Cody Rhodes' victory over Roman Reigns. Well, I won one title, but Roman's still a champion. If Roman's going to lose, he needs to lose everything. He needs to lose everything. Cody, Roman, night two, and Roman Rock on night one. Roman beats The Rock. He goes into the bloodline, actually. goes into night two, Invincible. On night two, Sammy and Kevin Owens... They beat the Usos, tag team champions crowned at WrestleMania. Roman loses to Cody, and the Bloodline lose it all. I don't want to hear about people telling me, oh, well, the Bloodline, you built them up for all this time, and then you're going to have them drop everything at WrestleMania? Yes! Yes, we are. It's been going on for two and a half fucking years now. How how long you want it to go on? Oh, yeah, you got a problem with the Bloodline losing everything at WrestleMania. This is what WrestleMania should be. This is what you don't understand. The geeks don't understand. WrestleMania is the end of the season for WWE. How long do you want the Bloodline to be in charge of WWE television? They've held every fucking title for how long now? They lose everything, and then we start fresh on Monday Night Raw. It is not that complicated. Any questions? I've given you the fucking answers, man. You should go into class next week with the fucking answers provided to you and you should nail the fucking test. Seriously. Meltzer says, am I saying he's not going to do it? No. I'm not saying that at all. And if he's doing it, wow, you have him, Austin, Cena, all on the same show or the same weekend because they'll split them up, obviously. Like, Cena's not 100% either, by the way. He's got a big movie out in February and March, or filming, rather, in February and March. He's not going to be able to do a lot of TVs. I don't know. He will do the show if he's available, but it's the same thing. He may have other things going on. I was told, I guess the best way to put it is Cena is a probable and Dwayne is a possible, maybe a probable. I don't know, but neither is a sure thing. So let me, let me reiterate this to you again. Let me, re, let me reread what Meltzer just said here, man. This is grade A fucking journalism and reporting right here. Cena is a probable. Dwayne is a possible, maybe a probable, dot, dot, dot. I don't know, but neither is a sure thing. Now you wonder why Dave Meltzer gets fucking hate and why people, doesn't, and why people don't take uh, Meltzer's reporting to be serious. Cena's a probable, Dwayne's a possible, could be a probable, I don't know, but neither is a sure thing. Unbelievable. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was in some hot water this week. Lacey Evans is under fire and trending on Twitter after sharing a conspiracy theory about autism and ADD. 
Lacey Evans shared a clip of a conspiracy theory from criticalhealthnews.com on her Instagram stories, featuring two men casting doubt on autism and AADD diagnosis numbers. They claim that developmental disabilities didn't exist before. Not sure about that one, but okay. Evans was called out for sharing this post, so she took to Twitter and doubled down on what she had shared before deleting it. She wrote, I watched a video on the impact of processed foods is having on our children, and I shared the video. Y'all are insane. Another tweet read, she said, and I quote, side note, like everything else in life, headline is misleading. Watch the video. He literally says there has been huge difference in health since eating processed foods, end quote. This is the same woman who I believe, I don't know if it was Oscar Mayer or not, because I don't know who the fuck would be feeding their children anything Oscar Mayer or anything processed, to be quite honest with you. This is the same woman who says that processed food has a difference in this type of autism and ADD uh, disability development, right? This is the same woman that did an Oscar Mayer corn dog commercial with her own daughter. That's all I'll say on it. You believe what you want to believe. You want to believe the conspiracy theories? You go out there and believe the conspiracy theories. That is your prerogative. You have every fucking given right to believe what the fuck you want, man. I know people very good, very well, who believe in that type of shit. I got my own fucking family believing in that type of shit. I don't give one. I don't give a shit one way or another. You believe what you want to believe. You vote for who you want to vote for. You 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 side with one political party over the other. That is completely your choice, man. Never, ever, 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 ever allow that shit to dictate your life and dictate the people that you should have in your life and have it end relationships and friendships, man. It's fucking ridiculous. I, I've seen that happen way too many times. But this is the same woman that gladly and willingly and happily took money to promote processed fucking corn dogs from Oscar Mayer with her own daughter in the commercial, and now she wants to fucking go out there and share conspiracy theories about autism and ADD. Wow, that money must have been pretty fucking good, man. The power of money, what the power of money does to corrupt the human brain and the human way of life, man, it's quite fascinating. It really is quite fascinating. Now, we had Lacey Evans go out there and left, 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 right, left, right, all, uh, for, for two weeks on SmackDown. How many, how many vignettes have we seen her from uh, the boot camp? Sergeant Slaughter, right? How, how, many, how many fucking vignettes have we seen since then? How many vignettes do you think we'll see now after this fucking hiccup? She's doomed. She's doomed. One step forward and like a thousand steps back for Lacey Evans. Shifting gears to AEW. Shifting gears to AEW. Top AEW star off TV after refusing to do a job on AEW TV. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Miro. There's been a lot of talk about Miro's status in AEW. He hasn't been used very often. He's wrestled four times this year. Four times this year. And now his... His wife, C.J. Perry, formerly known as Lana, recently made comments about him returning to the WWE. Miro hasn't wrestled since he, Darby Allin, and Sting defeated the House of Black at All Out in September. 
Miro is ready to wrestle and to be back on television again. Although AEW has as presented plans to him, he did not like what was pitched and turned them down. So AEW kept him off television until they can agree on creative. Now, while speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that they had an idea for him to do a match at full gear, but he turned it down. In September, Meltzer says, Tony Khan came to Miro, and he had this idea which would build to a match on the November pay-per-view, which was full gear, and Miro didn't want to do it. Meltzer pointed out that some who come from WWE are very leery about jobbing in AEW, and it becomes hard to book them if they don't want to lose in feuds. Meltzer continues, and I quote, But anyway, they went through, and now November's over, and now we're in a new cycle, and they were going to bring him back and try to come up with ideas for him, and they very well may have ideas for him. And then Lana, his wife, comes in and says, Rusev Day is going to come back to WWE. Everybody goes back to WWE. Meltzer also said, it's like if I'm Tony Khan at this point, given everything that's happened, and the wife of one of the wrestlers goes and says, essentially everyone goes back to WWE, it's kind of like in TK's mindset, well, why waste my time pushing this guy? I got 100 other guys who want to be here, and now everybody wants me to push this guy, but he doesn't want to be here. And now you've got these guys who want to go back to WWE. Meltzer mentioned how Keith Lee and Swerve had chances to return to WWE and did not. Meltzer says, a lot of these guys wanted to leave. It's like the guys who signed there, if they're guys who really want to be there in WWE and just got fired and everything, but can't wait to get hired back, I don't know that those guys have been that beneficial. End quote. Now that, now that we know that the truth is out there, now that we have the full, it took us a couple weeks to get there, but now that we have the full spectrum of the entire story, I don't blame Miro. I don't blame Miro for wanting to lose on television. I don't. The guy's been in four fucking matches all year and hasn't had one solid feud in AEW. He wants to come back and he wants to inject himself into the show. He wants to be a part of something major on the program. He wants to be a solid part of the show. But you want him to come back after months and months and months of being away. You want him to come back and lose in his first full-fledged feud back? I don't think that's a right way to go about it. I wouldn't want to lose if I'm Miro either. Now, it depends on who it is. We don't know who the fuck that AEW asked him to job to, we have no name in regards to that. We don't know who the feud was going to be. We didn't know what the match was going to be at full gear. We have no idea. Depending on who it is, you know, that may change the topic and that may change your answer to the question and your opinion on the topic. But from what I see here and what I read, we don't know. And to be quite honest with you, I don't blame Miro for not wanting to lose. I don't. Now, on the other hand, I also don't blame Tony Khan. Tony Khan's going to have to put his foot down at some point. Now, I know the fans have been asking. They're probably blowing up his fucking Twitter feed. They got Miro in his mentions every fucking week that Miro isn't on TV. We got these fucking two hooligans on TV, right? We got uh, this fucking uh, Streets of Rage looking geek in Swerve's group, the Mogul Affiliates. 
We got uh, people like Ari Davari on TV. We got Action Andretti on TV, right? But Miro is not on TV. For every new person, AR Fox has had more TV time than fucking Miro in the last four months. Every time somebody new debuts or is on TV, it's always accompanied with, well, where the fuck is Miro? Tony Khan is probably pulling his fucking hair out over all of the Miro references. But now that you know the full story, do you blame Tony Khan for not putting Miro on television? Now, Miro didn't say it outright, but his wife is an extension of what Miro thinks and an extension of who Miro is. They are married. So if Lana, CJ, is saying something, who's to say that Miro isn't saying the same thing? Tony Khan's perspective is, well, I can't treat her as someone completely different than Miro. They're married. They are one. So Lana said that, well, everybody's going back to WWE. We'll see Rusev Day back in WWE. Everybody goes back to WWE. If I'm Tony Khan and I see that and I hear that come from her mouth, I'm not putting Miro on fucking television either because from my point of view, that's somebody that is basically just using me for a fucking quick payday, right? Tony Khan is paying him, I'm sure, to sit at home and do nothing. He's not working for fucking free. But Lana said that if I'm Tony Khan, I'm not putting him on fucking TV either because that's somebody that just expressed to the world, expressed to my company that they don't want to be there and they're basically wasting my fucking time and all my efforts, all my talents, all my all my time to use him, to build him, for him to ultimately say, fuck you, my contract is up, I'm going back to WWE. Rusev Day is back in WWE. I, I would not put him on TV either. At some point, Tony Khan's going to have to put his fucking foot down and be the boss. Now, I don't know if she was serious when saying that, but I can't see why she would say it if that's not what they're thinking. It's fucked up. It really is fucked up. And everybody's to blame in this. Not just Miro, not Lana, not TK. Everybody, everybody is to blame equally. They came up with plans for him to wrestle at full gear. Full gear happens in November. Depends on when this fucking feud was going to take place. We just got done with All Out. We got done with Grand Slam. We had the middle of September, all of October, and then into the middle of November. What happened to the rest of the fucking year that Miro should have been on television? You had every opportunity to use Miro on television outside of the time that he had a film in Brooklyn for some pilot on CBS. You had every opportunity before this to put Miro on television, and you still didn't come up with ideas to get Miro on television. What's the holdup? And he just signed a new contract. He signed a new three-year extension this year. So unless Tony Khan releases him and lets him free to go do what he wants to do, he's not going anywhere. Is Tony Khan going to pay him to sit at home and do nothing? Or is he at least going to try to get a return on the money he's paying Rusev? I do think that we'll see Rusev back on television. I don't think that Tony Khan is going to willingly let this guy out of his contract. But you got to think, if you truly do not want to be there, if what his wife said is legit and he does not want to be there, then let him go. I said this about everything that happened in the CM Punk situation. Andrade, Black, and everybody else that may be feeling that same way. Tony Khan needs to weed out the weak. WWE, they want all these guys. They want to bring them back? Fine. 
How many people made fun of Tony Khan for bringing in talent after talent after talent after talent and overstocking his roster to a point where not everybody's going to get a fair share of TV time? WWE is bringing back people left and right, left and right, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. You think if Miro is out there, Triple H is not going to bring Miro back to the WWE? Of course he's going to with Lana. And that happens. Who's to say the next one isn't coming in and the one after that and the one after that? So right now when everybody was making fun of Tony Khan bringing in all these different fucking people and not having enough TV time for them, Triple H is now doing the same fucking thing. And everybody that he's brought in, I would say maybe one or two of them are making WWE TV better. Most of the people that he's brought back have not made a fucking lick of a difference. The show and the rosters are better, yes, but they're not making some huge fucking impact to a point where one show is is drastically better over the other. Tony Khan needs to put his foot down. If you don't want to be a part of my family and a part of my team, then get the fuck out. Seriously. I love Miro like everybody else loves Miro. I'd love to see Miro in AEW. It is fucking criminally just fucking ridiculous. It is creative malpractice that you can't find something for this man to do. This redeemer gimmick that he played in AEW was the best version, the best presentation of Miro in his entire career. And you mean to tell me there isn't anything for this man to do? If he needs to go back and win the TNT title... Give me a match with Wardlow. Give me a match with Samoa Joe. Give me a match with Jungle Boy. Give me a match with Darby. Anybody. There's something for that man to do. But if he doesn't want to be there, get him out. And Lana should keep her fucking mouth shut. She's not even employed with the fucking company. She's not. I get that she's married to Miro, but she's got no business speaking on AEW fucking, you know, things like that. What the fuck do you think Tony Khan's going to do when he hears that? Oh, uh, Rusev Day is going back to WWE. Everybody goes back to WWE. Oh, yeah? You're with my company for the next three fucking years. Let me see you try and get on television. Get your wife in fucking shape, man. Whip her back into shape and shut her mouth. And maybe we'll get you back on television. Same thing happened with Brian Cage. Why was Brian Cage in the fucking doghouse? Because Melissa Santos said something in regards to him, you know, You know, she took it upon herself to say something that Brian Cage never said, and Brian Cage was punished because of it because Melissa Santos wasn't contracted by AEW. Brian Cage was, and it took him how long to get on TV and win championships on AEW television? Now he's the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champion. How long did it take him to get back on television? We may be looking at a situation where Miro is not going to be on TV for a long time, but he ain't going anywhere. He ain't got, Tony Khan is not going to willingly let him go. But at the end of the day, like I said, if nobody wants to be there, then get the fuck out. There's the door. That's, a, that's exactly what Tony Khan needs to rid from his company. The people that don't want to be there, get them out. They're not all going to go back to WWE. They all physically can't go back to WWE. Mike Mansbury. I don't know why for weeks I've been saying Mike Mansbury. Until Jesse called me out. It's Mike Mansbury. I don't know where the fuck I was getting Mike Mansbury. I don't know who's man. Who do I know that's a Mansbury? Holy shit. He is now in charge of all TV. AEW related. 
He was on the Renee Paquette podcast. Sessions with Renee Paquette. She welcomed Mike Manzari as her guest. He says, on what makes a great wrestling show, I just wanted to go over exactly what his line of thinking is here. Folks in our age range always talk about the Monday Night War. I remember when I was a kid, the most worn out button on my remote control for my TV was my, my little 12-inch TV that was in my bedroom at my mom's house was the channel back button. It would allow you to go from the previous channel that you were at to wherever you want to go and back and forth between USA and TNT because of the unpredictability of true live television, like the way the shows were formatted, and I get it, it was the time. Everything was made to be that you can't miss it. If you've tuned away for a half a second, you were bound to miss something. I miss the unpredictable nature of live television. I like to feel that there's something that's been lacking for a long time because for a while there was really nobody but WWE, and now here comes this strong powerhouse in AEW that's become a viable place for people to go and work. The two big things that you need, you need characters and you need story. When you have characters that people are invested in and the storylines that you've invested in, that's the stuff that's going to resonate with your fan base. You throw in some cool matches in between and watch people do some cool shit, but without story, without characters, how are we using those elements to distinguish a roster that is stacked and talented with men and women from left to right? So, you know, to be able to offer a new way to present that or to tweak what we've been doing and, you know, to just hopefully create moments that are going to stand out in fans' minds so that the, the water cooler talk that everyone's always chasing... Like, to be able to bring that back, to make wrestling the destination again, that's the goal. Now, is that possible with AEW? Of course it is, because they've created that in in year one going into year two. They've always had that great sense of unpredictability. You don't know. The vibe of Dynamite was like, you never know what the fuck is going to happen next, right? You never know what's going to happen this week. There's always a, a nice surprise on Dynamite. In year three, we've... Kind of had a little bit more of a chaotic feel. Cody Rhodes went away, and then we had everything just kind of diminished. There was a, a long stretch without many of the top guys, and then we got the Elite and CM Punk situation, and then Tony Khan had to deal with his unfortunate situation with his mother and her having two strokes. A lot of that weighed heavy on AEW, and at some point in that chaos, they were missing a leader a leader that wasn't really truly there. He had to worry about his mother, and then he had to worry about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he had to worry about AEW Dynamite and Rampage and Ring of Honor and his fucking football team over in the UK. There was a lot of different things for him to juggle at one time, and he mentally was not even a fourth of the way there. Now, Mike Manzari coming into AEW with all of the talents that he acquired in WWE, this was supposedly the guy that was going to take Kevin Dunn's place in WWE. Kevin Dunn did not like Mike Manzari. He did not. He felt threatened by Manzari. And Kevin Dunn is not going anywhere. He unfortunately left WWE, and now AEW picked him up, and I think this has been the biggest signing, most potential of all the signings that Tony Khan has brought into AEW. And now we're talking about on January 4th from Seattle that AEW is going to have a different theme, a different presentation, a different look. We're going to get new aesthetics for AEW Dynamite. 
I've mentioned that the last couple of weeks, the shows have been noticeably slower. Things have been toned down, slowed down. Things have been allowed to breathe. Last night, I didn't get a sense of that. I don't know what the fuck happened last night. Everything just felt very hurried, very rushed. I did not like last night's show better than the week prior. Even though I thought the wrestling on last night's show was a lot better than the week before. But AEW needs to do these fundamental fundamental things correctly, and I hope that Mike Mansory brings that to the table. And like Jesse and I have discussed, if you're not going to let this guy go out there and give us his vision, because he's been a part of it with Triple H and WWE, I don't know why you would bring him in and then tell him what to do. You brought him in to lead you in this department, in this new vision. His ideas, his goals... That's what you need to work towards. If someone's going to oversee him and overstep his boundaries, then what the fuck did you bring him in for? Why are you paying him? This is a signing that's going to be documented and looked at under the microscope as the, as the weeks go on, especially going into 2023 with all these new reported changes coming to AEW Dynamite. Kenny Omega, does he have... An AEW contract about to come up and expire. A report has emerged this week that Kenny Omega's contract is due to expire in early 2023. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer was asked about Kenny Omega's contract by a listener. The listener commented that previously, Meltzer had said that Omega's contract was scheduled to expire in January 2023. Meltzer would confirm that the dates were January 30. Or February 1. However, the listener went on to say, but AEW is currently advertising him for the Winnipeg show that's in March. Does this mean his contract has been extended to make up for the injury time? Or has he signed a new contract? Meltzer then provided more details of his understanding of Omega's contract status, saying this, and I quote, as far as I know, he hasn't signed a new contract. And I would think if he had, they would have sent out a release like they did for Jericho, and John Moxley, but because he had all that time off with the injury, I think that they froze it and will extend it. Meltzer went on to discuss how the contract status of Matt and Nick Jackson may have an impact on Omega's next move, stating, I think that he and the Bucks probably, like what happened at the end of 2018, early 2019, I think that they probably all want to expire at the same time, and then whatever they do next would be, they could split and make different decisions, but my gut is that they will probably be a package deal and either all stay or all go. But who knows what's going to happen in a year, but I think it's their benefit in the sense of going as a unit and the deal's expiring at this point in time. But I do not know that's, that there's been a new deal. I don't think that there has been because, again, if I think there was, like they did with Moxie and Jericho, they'd probably make a release about it publicly. With nothing concrete from any of the parties involved, wrestling fans will just need to wait and see what happens with Kenny Omega if he renews and what terms are set with his new deal. I don't know why anybody is thinking that Kenny Omega would leave AEW. I, I, I don't understand. Kenny Omega's not going anywhere. He's the head of their video game division. This game is going to have a long long shelf life, and is the baby of Kenny Omega. He's the creative drive of AEW Fight Forever. Why would he just get up, say, peace out, TK, I'm going to go join Paul over in WWE. 
I don't think that's the case at all. Why would Tony Khan not want every fucking resource available to bring back Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks? They are AEW. Now, we don't know what the fuck's happening with CM Punk. Punk could be gone. For all we know, Punk could be on his way back to AEW next year. We don't know. But Tony Khan, you know, reportedly is buying out CM Punk's contract, and Punk is not right now set to come back. That could change. He clearly took the elite side over CM Punk. I honestly think if Punk does leave, right, Tony Khan showed his allegiance to who, you know, he has started the company with, and that is the elite, by buying out CM Punk's contract. Why would Tony Khan not go and pay them? He doesn't want to lose them. They are AEW. That decision to let Punk go, supposedly, like I said again, we could see him come back. This could all be worked into a fucking major angle. CM Punk, gone. He's already sided with who he thinks is the face of AEW. It's Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, the elite. Kenny Omega's not going anywhere. What I do think happened here is that when he was out for those nine months, ten months, his contract was frozen. Why would you continue to have his contract tick off year, you know, month after month after month after month, leading up to that year of, oh, man, we got to come up with a uh, renewal. My contract's up this year. That would, be, that would be terrible business practice. Of course his contract was frozen. He was inactive during that time. They probably just put the extra nine months on top of that, and then when they come to the discussion where they have to discuss TV rights, right? Kenny Omega will have discussions after that because AEW will get their money, and then he could get more money on the back end from Tony Khan, and so could Matt Nick Jackson. So there's things that need to happen here. Kenny Omega's contract, in my honest opinion, was frozen. AEW's got a contract uh, to, to talk about with Warner Media. Once that's squared away, then they can start paying people that they want. It's a very simple, very simple situation. Kenny Omega's not going anywhere. And finally, guy, AE, finally guys, AEW is being cautious with Adam Cole Bay Bay. Adam Cole has been on the sidelines for months, and there's no timetable on when he will return to the squared circle. Last time we saw him was at a Forbidden Door pay-per-view main event in June. He worked a fatal four-way for the IWGP World Heavyweight title with Jay White, Kazuchika Okada, and Hangman Adam Page. He suffered a serious concussion in that match. In the match's final moments, Cole collapsed and was immediately covered by Jay White. Cole appeared for one show in August, so he, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish could turn on the Young Bucks, but he hasn't been seen on TV since. It was previously revealed that Cole suffered a concussion before Forbidden Door, leading to the feeling that they could give him plenty of time to recover from the second concussion. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer noted on Twitter that the promotion is being cautious with Adam Cole. You know, concussions are uh, a really serious thing, and they don't want to rush him back only to re-aggravate it again because the more concussions you have, the less likely it will be that you will maintain that pro wrestling career. And I would rather them keep Adam Cole out knowing when he is 100% healthy, though a concussion can come at any time. They're being cautious with him. It's not because he's regretting his decision. It's not because that... He went to TK and wants to go back to Triple H. It's not because of any other fucking bullshit reason that you hear online. Adam Cole was injured. Also, he had torn his labrum. His labrum was torn. I don't know which labrum, but he had a big injury as well. So not only was the injury that he opted not to get surgery on, he's 
going into this rehabilitation process not getting surgery. He had a concussion. He had a surgery that, or an injury that he did not opt for uh, surgery on. He's going to be out. Let the man heal up. You want Adam Cole on your TV? You want Adam Cole on your smart device or your computer or your PC, whatever? He's on Twitch. Go watch him on Twitch, stream video games. You want to talk to him? You want to discuss about whatever you want to discuss? Go and mingle in his chat on Twitch. He's an easy guy to find. He will be back next year. There will be big things involved for Adam Cole. I could see him getting involved with the TNT title. Man, do I miss Adam Cole. With him back, AEW is only a better promotion for it. Everybody misses that man. It's just unfortunate that the injury had to happen, and it's unfortunate that it was as serious as it was. But let the man heal up. He will be back. Tony Khan has big plans for him upon return. Believe me, he will not go and get to television without a fucking plan. Guys, that's all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We are going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. I want to thank you guys, as always, for hanging out with me this evening. Happy hour on this Thursday. We had 1,800-plus in the venue on a Thursday, man. I appreciate you guys. 702 likes. There is 1,700 in here, man. We need 300. I know there are at least 300 of you that did not hit the thumbs up. Can we get 1,000 likes on today's video, on today's show? If you did not, hit that thumbs up, man. It helps us out in the land of YouTube algorithm. Things are a little bit more easier to understand when you hit that thumbs up. Also, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, which is right now. Memberships, we got five of them today. Appreciate you guys very much. And follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. We're going to start at the top here, man. Super Chats. We got a $9.99 from Fujin Zenry. Shout out to OTS. Hashtag long-term booking. Mr. Henry, thank you so much, brother. Nick Williams, $50 Super Chat. Wasn't expecting OTS to go live, but here we are. Anyways, do you think the wrestling world is ready for a full year of a Triple H booked WWE and a Tony Khan booked AEW? Yes, I do, Nick. Yes, I do. That's going to be a very interesting discussion, man. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. Who is the booker of the year? Who is the booker of the year? Is it Triple H this year for the work that he's done in the half a year he's run WWE? Or is it Tony Khan? Maybe something I have to ask my Twitter family on, man. Sidro, 
The resident OTS comedian. He's got two jokes here. Sidro, these better be good, bro. The crowd is awaiting your jokes, man. Sidro's walking up to the stage. $5 super chat and a $5 super chat from Sidro. WWE is postponing their upcoming events in Saudi until next December. They are changing the name of the event to December to Dismember. Come on, Sidra. Come on, bro. Come on, man. What do you call a wrestler on ecstasy? A little Miss Bliss. Listen, man, they like that one. They like that one, bro. They like that one, man. I appreciate you, Sidro. Thank you for uh, entertaining us here in the OTS venue, bro. Willem Hendrick. 24 months. The best in the IWC. So many hard times this podcast carried me. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for all the hard work, brother. You are love. Thank you, brother. 24 months, man. That golden microphone looks good on you, bro. Harold Russell with a new membership. Harold, what are you drinking tonight, man? Travis Drum. Four months. Merry Christmas, King JD, and everyone in the OTS family. Thank you, Travis. Merry Christmas to you too, bro. Uncle Willie 101 with four months. I'm not old enough to drink, so I'm having an Arizona iced tea. Listen, Uncle Willie, is it cold? That's all I care about, man, as long as it's ice cold. The Little Kev with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Josh DeBeast, 07. Russ Constantine with a new membership. Chill Vibes with 19 months. And KJ with five months. Gentlemen. What the fuck are you guys drinking? KJ with five months. He says, wrapping up things at work. Had to give the OTS fam a little love. What's up, everybody? George Marshall with a new membership. George, what are you drinking this evening, brother? Hologram. 25 months. Oh, my goodness. He says, you absolutely killed it in 2022. Just wanted to say how proud I am to be a member of this community. Wishing you an epic 2023. I love it. OTS for life. Thank you, Hologram. Love you, buddy. Calvin Rhymes with a 199 Super Chat. Which is better, King of the Ring 1993 or One Night Stand 2006? That's a tough one, bro. I'm going to go with the 1993 King of the Ring. 
Harold Russell with a $10 super chat. No message. Thank you, Harold. Jeremy, 2006, with a new membership. Jeremy, thank you so much, man. What are you drinking tonight? The Dud with two $5 Super Chats. I hope Triple H does Rusev Day justice. Bronson's also a Samoan, so I think he should have joined the bloodline. Yes, but he's not a part of the bloodline. He's not a part of the Anawaii family. What you guys need to understand is that the bloodline is the Anawaii bloodline. Not because that they're Samoan. The Undertaker. Fifteen months. He says fifteen and oh. Happy holidays, JD. Enjoy your much deserved break, my man. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Taker. Love having you, buddy. Jeremy, 2006 with 15 months. OTS for life. I will have a Jack and Coke, please. Rick Ross. Ha, ha, ha. Jack and Coke, you got it, brother. Mark Alain Lazaro with a 50. In his currency. I don't know what that is. I wish YouTube would tell me. LGBTQ loves JD. Kiss me, you handsome stud, Chad. Cheers to you, Mark. Appreciate you, bro. Elf win. 2,500 in Chilean pesos. Hi, JD. I feel much better now finishing my career and going forward. Only the best for you and the OTS family. Thank you, Elfwen. Appreciate you, brother. Miles Marable. 199 Super Chat. Favorite tequila if you have one. Hashtag OTS for life. Uh, Miles, I actually do not drink tequila. I am not a fan of tequila at all, so I do not have a favorite tequila to recommend to you guys. Shayla, 20 months, 20 months of VIP. Merry Christmas, JD and the OTS family. Thank you, Shayla. And the little Kev with a 999 super chat. Hey, JD, Kota Ibushi could be on his way to AW next year. His contract is coming up in January, and I don't think he re-signs with New Japan Pro Wrestling. If he makes his way over to the United States, bro, that is a big, big, big deal for AEW. No doubt about it. Guys, hopefully you enjoyed this. Thursday, happy hour inside the OTS venue. We're about to get out of here. Appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for all the love. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the new memberships. Awesome. Harold Russell with a $10 super chat as I am 
driving down the highway here, man. $10 super chat. I really just can't stand the Miz. It would be in sight if I saw him. Take it easy, bro. T t take it easy, man. Why do we, uh, why do we need to, uh, why do we need to, uh, resort to violence against Mike Mizanin, bro? What did he do to you? I don't get it. Anyway, guys, uh, I will see you all tomorrow night, live, Friday Night Smackdown. It is a tape show. I'm sure nothing will be going on that's too crazy. The Smackdown that we have to look forward to is December 30th with John Cena and Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. That's the show. That's the big one. But I'll see you guys tomorrow night live in the venue. As we wind down this slow-ass, dull December. Hit those thumbs up, guys. Let me see those thumbs up. Let me see those ace emojis in the chat. Let me see those rock-on emojis in the chat. And let me hear that music on Max. Guys, thank you so very much for your Thursday afternoons. I will see you all tomorrow night live, Friday night, SmackDown, right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.